Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Wow, you guys came ready today. Good for you. Uh, hey, guests, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Kale. I'm the teaching pastor here at the Delaware campus, and uh, I want to say welcome to LifePoint. There are some QR codes on the chairs in front of you, guests. If you are new here, those QR codes are specifically for you. You can pull out your smartphone and point it at one of those QR codes, and that'll take you to lpguest.com. If you don't want to use the QR code, you can just type in lpguest.com in a web browser, pull that up, and uh, that's that resource we've developed for you. It's got the message notes that'll be on the screens this morning. It's got our church calendar, a bunch of helpful information on there just to help you sort of orient to the life of our church. And also, uh, we would love to connect with you in person. There's a great way to connect digitally just on lpguest.com. There's a a new guest information card there. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment, it takes about 90 seconds. Just fill that out. Choose one of the ministries located there, and we'll donate to that ministry in your honor. No strings attached, just our way of saying thanks so much for being with us uh, this morning. Um, We've got a lot to cover today. And so we're going to be in Luke 5. uh, But before we jump into the series, before we talk through our finishing of the reading of Luke, uh, Allison mentioned this as she prayed, but just uh, it's been a heavy week. So I wondered if we might take a moment as a church and just pray, uh, pray specifically for uh, Uvalde in Texas, the community there, the families there. Uh, Let's gather and let's just pray together. Father, these are moments where uh, we, don't, we don't always understand. Uh, we don't have all the words to say. Um, Father, we think about uh, that community. Um, think about specifically those families that are grieving right now. Lord, as we gather to worship you, there are families that are gathering at memorials and at funerals uh, this week. And so, Father, we uh, grieve with them. Um, from what I can tell, watching the videos and seeing photos, many of them are are believers. And so we come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ in in Texas this morning, and we lift them up before you. Um, God, I think about Psalm 23. It tells us that when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. And Father, some of these families, they're, they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. And we ask that you would be with them. And we stand on that promise that you would comfort them. Um, God, 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that you are the father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Lord, we ask for their comfort this morning. We ask Holy Spirit that you would do that, that you would comfort uh, moms and dads and grandmothers and grandfathers and sisters and brothers and children and extended families and friends. Father, we ask that somehow in some way uh, that as families gather and as a community gathers that you would bring people to yourself, Lord, Uh, that there are people right now who are thinking about uh, the reality of how short life is and that, God, you would draw them to yourself. And we cling to these promises that we find, Revelation 21.4. It talks about the return of Christ, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God, right now we still live in that reality, but we look forward to the day when you return, and we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. Well, As I said, we've got a good bit to cover this morning. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. As you turn there, let me remind us and 
and celebrate with us. So, so yesterday, right, was the closeout of we challenged the whole church to read through uh, the Gospel of Luke over the month of May. And so uh, I know for some of us, we finished that yesterday and uh, well done, right? If you, if you didn't, man, keep going. Uh, don't, don't worry so much about, hey, the, the timeline as much as we're trying to develop that habit of being in the Word. And so uh, well done for those who, again, who have finished it. So, so what we're going to do here in June is we're going to shift focus a little bit. We've talked about reading, right? There are three words I'm going to give to you. Read, pray, and share, right? Read, pray, and share. And as we go through our study of the Gospel of Luke, May, we really focused on, hey, let's read Let's engage with God's word, and I hope you don't stop. The goal was not to finish it and then say, put the Bible away, right? But to rather continue going and to keep developing this habit of being in God's word on a daily basis. Here in June, so starting Wednesday, it's, that's June 1, um, we're going to follow the same sort of timeline we did, six days on, one day off, but I'm going to encourage that we, we really focus on prayer now, that we pray, and I, I'll challenge you actually, you can do this now, you pull out your smartphone on Wednesday, starting Wednesday, uh, set a reminder at 10.02 each day, right? So Luke 10.2 talks about that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, that there's a lot of people. Uh, that are ready to receive the gospel and to follow Christ, but those who are willing to go to them and to share the good news and to be ambassadors for Christ are few, the workers are few. And so it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might raise up workers for the harvest. And so pray that. So set a reminder at 10.02 and each day, just pause if you have the opportunity and to pray really in two ways. One, I'm going to say this, pray the harvest forward. Pray that God would move in our community. Pray that God would move across our state, the nation, the globe, to say, Lord, will you, will you draw people to yourself and you, will you raise up workers, raise up us to go reach them with the gospel? And then secondly, I'd encourage you to go back, starting on June 1st, go back to Luke 1 and really pray the word. So pray, go back over Luke 1, and here, here might be an example, uh, here's an example of how you might handle that. You might go back and read Luke 1 and be reminded, oh, that's right, after hundreds and hundreds of years of not speaking, God spoke and broke the silence. You might pause and looking over your notes, just pray and say, Lord, thank you that you don't stay silent. Thank you, right? Sometimes it feels that way, but Lord, you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, and thank you that you continue to speak. So, so do that each day. Then June 2nd, go to chapter 2, look over your notes and pray that back. To, June 3rd, right? Go back to chapter 3 and you see John the Baptist talking about how he's not unworthy to untie Jesus' sandals. You might pray about humility that day and say, Lord, I don't think I see myself that way. I need that same type of humility. And so at 10.02 each day for the month of June, right? And take Sundays off as we gather here and we pray together. Obviously, keep praying, right? Even on Sundays. But you can go Monday through Saturday and, and just a chapter a day where you look over your notes in Luke and you look that through and pray that back to the Lord as you're praying for the harvest and you're praying over the things that maybe you wrote or took notes. And again, if you're like, man, I'm just joining, great. Go back to Luke 1 or Luke 2 and Luke 3 each day and, and you can pray that. So we're starting here in June, June 1, go to the end of June and just follow those days, Monday through Saturday, one chapter a day where you look back over your notes and you pray and set a reminder at 10.02 to do that. So we're going to focus on prayer through June and then we will um, shift into sharing in the last section of the series where we really say, hey, man, who can you share this with? Who's somebody that you could go and share this with? As we pray and as you're praying, uh, hashtag LP Bible. Uh, we've had folks posting all along about what they're reading and you're welcome to join the conversation and just share some of the things that God's teaching you in the course of this series. All right, 
Let's go to Luke 5. We're in verse 12 here in Luke 5. And uh, just to catch us up, Jesus has begun his public ministry. He's been baptized by John. He's begun his public ministry. He's been healing people. Now he begins to call his disciples. And uh, we're going we're gonna to focus on one story this morning, but I'll explain as we go through. This is part of one of really three stories in Luke 5 that, that Luke is telling us to sort of show us, who is this Jesus? Who is this man? And so let's look, look at Luke 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, he being Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. It's not necessarily what we think of as leprosy today. Leprosy, this phrase covered a whole slew of skin disorders. He's got some sort of skin disorder that makes him unclean, right? Can't be in the temple, can't be with others ostracized, separated. There came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but said, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We're not going to have a lot of time to talk about verse 16, but it's a good reminder that Jesus often would get alone with God. Often would get alone. As we talk about praying over this month, right? Finding time just to pray. Jesus himself would often go off into, that word means solitary places, into the wilderness even, to a lonely place, and he would pray. There are uh, two major things that I'm going to focus our attention on this morning, uh, and I'll just give you those two things right now. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. One is the compassion, the authority, and the identity of Jesus, the compassion, the power and authority, and the identity of Jesus. And the second, we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to talk about the leper, right? The second is the humility, desperation, and faith of the leper. The humility, the desperation, and the faith of the leper. So let's look back. So chapter five, just to zoom out for a moment, Luke is, he's telling three stories trying to get us to understand. This is why I say the identity of Jesus. Three stories Luke tells to try to say, this person, Jesus, you can't relegate him to just, he's a great guy, or wow, what a teacher, or wow, what a popular religious figure. Because the three stories he tells systematically show, like he really is the son of God. So the first story right before this is when Jesus goes to Peter and calls the apostle Peter and they've been in the boat all night, professional fishermen, all night fishing and they catch nothing. And Jesus is like, hey, throw it on the other side, which makes no sense. It's the wrong time to fish. It's the wrong place to fish. And Peter is like, oh, you know, like, that's not going to work, right? And I was talking with uh, Kevin this week. Kevin's an avid fisherman, right? Our community life pastor. And I was talking about this and he said, man, yeah, like if you're a fisherman, you know, like at best, you're just trying to guess. You're just trying to do what you can to catch the fish. You don't really know what's going to happen when you go out there, even when you're the best of fishermen. And yet Jesus seems to have this certainty, just cast it on the other side. It's going to be fine. And Peter's like, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. And so he throws it over and they catch this enormous group of fish. And and Peter is so struck by this that he literally says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Because he recognizes 
Who in the world commands the fish? <laughs> Who gets to tell fish what to do? And Luke's showing us, man, only God. And then you go to this story here, as we'll talk about. And then the story after this, right? The story directly following this is the story of the paralyzed man, where four friends are so desperate to get their friend to Jesus who's paralyzed, they rip holes in the roof and they lower him down through the crowd, which would have been awesome. I mean, just to watch that. And he's going down. And as Jesus, as he gets to the floor, Jesus looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders hear that and they about have a conniption because they hear it and they're like, only God can forgive sin. It's almost like Jesus is saying, yep. <laughs> because he actually, he does that. He says, yeah, right. And what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, pick up your mat and walk home to heal this man in front of all of you, which is easier. And then he says, so that you know right? Jesus wants them to know. He's like, so that you know that the Son of Man, that's a title he used for himself, so that you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive people's sins, to wash them clean, to change their life. He says, son, pick up your mat and go home. And in front of all of them, he picks up his mat and walks out. And then you get to this story, this story with a man full of leprosy coming. And Luke tells us, right? Notice he's covered with leprosy. Not like, hey, I got a spot here, but covered with leprosy. And the background of this story, the, the context is the Jewish people very much believed only God heals this. In fact, there's a fascinating story in 2 Kings chapter 5 where uh, I referenced this last week, Naaman, uh, a Syrian. There was a Syrian commander, an army commander of the army of Syria, Israel's enemy, uh, who had leprosy. And the king of Syria, more powerful than the king of Israel, couldn't do anything about it. And uh, he valued Naaman highly, but one day a, a little Israelite girl who was a servant girl in Naaman's house said, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. If you would just go to him, he could heal you. Right? There's power there. So the Syrian king writes to the king of Israel, assuming, of course, that the king of Israel must command the prophet, must have God in his command. And he writes and says, hey, I'm sending to you Naaman, my commander. I highly value him. I'd like for you to heal him. <laughs> and the king of Israel gets the letter and literally goes, am I God? How, what am I supposed to do with this? He assumes the king of Syria is just picking a fight because he's like, I, I don't have the power to heal a man of his leprosy. Are you kidding me? He literally says, am I God? And that's the background, right? That's the understanding is when only God does these sorts of things. That's not something a human doctor can solve or fix. And here he comes to Jesus saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Let's go back to verse 12. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I said the, the humility, desperation, and faith of the leper. Humility, desperation, and faith. The story, let's make sure we're clear. The story is primarily about Christ, not the leper, right? It's Luke telling us story after story after story that's helping us understand who Jesus is. He really is the Son of God in the flesh. He's not just a good example. He's not just a good teacher, He's all of those things, but he's also, he's the son of God in the flesh. But I think the way the leper approaches Jesus 
is instructive for us in understanding how do we come to him. I say this a lot here, and you've probably, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say it, that Christianity is not a self-help or self-improvement program. Christianity is not a self-help or self-improvement program. And if you insist, listen closely, if you insist on coming to God with your head held high and your chest puffed out thinking, I'm a good person. I've done the right things in life. I've worked hard. I've succeeded. I've overcome. And I deserve the things that I have. If you insist on coming to the Lord that way, what you're really saying is, as you approach him, I don't really need a crucified savior to pay for my sin. What I need is a coach to help me reach the next level. I need a coach or a consultant who can help me just improve and maybe get further than I could get myself. But that's way different than approaching Jesus saying, Lord, I know empty-handed I come to you and I need a, a crucified savior to pay for my sin. You can't come to him head held high, chest puffed out saying, I don't really need you, but hey, if you can help me, that's great. You can help bless what I'm doing rather than coming to him as the leper does. In fact, Luke 18, Jesus tells a story about this. He tells the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector, one who the whole culture considered a religious good person and one that the whole culture considered that is someone that (laughs) they've screwed their life up. And he says, the Pharisee comes and he stands, he holds his hands up high and he prays. And basically his prayer is, God, thank you that I'm better than other people. And I know we don't, we probably don't say that out loud, right? But, but we think it sometimes. And his prayer is basically, Lord, I mean, look at my life. I tithe, I give, I follow the rules. I'm a good person. And then the tax collector, he says, sits off at a distance and he gets down on his knees and he beats his chest and he says, Lord, have mercy on a sinner like me. And Jesus says, which one of those two do you think went home justified before God that day? I'll give you a hint. It's not the Pharisee. He says, which which one went home that day having their sins washed clean and a right standing with the Father? says the one who got on his knees and understood that he actually needed saving in the first place. So look at the three parts of this. Desperation. I love the, so, so this leper, just to give you some background, when you had leprosy, you were what was considered ceremonially unclean. You couldn't come to the temple. You couldn't be around other people. You could be around other lepers, but that's about it. So, so you think about like the height of COVID and height of COVID quarantine. And I, I mean, I talked with, I went through it. Other people went through it. Like just how miserable that is. You're like isolated from everybody and nobody wants to be around you. Imagine if that was just your life. Just always. Man lives in basically permanent quarantine and, and he's not supposed to touch other people because if he touches them, they get unclean. Nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to get near you. And yet, there's this desperation in him of, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care that I'm offending people. I don't care that they're probably all backing up because they see a leper. He's like, I just need to get to Jesus. I just need to get to him. Because I believe with just one word or just one touch, that man can make me whole. There's this desperation in him. I have to get to Christ. I need to see him. I need to be near him. Some of us, just as a side note, some of us right now, God's beginning to stir that in your life. 
Or there's this desperation in you growing. Like, I, man, if I say I believe these things, like I really need to follow. And what may happen is some people in your life are like, hey, like that's good and all. Going to church and stuff, that's really good. But don't get crazy, right? Don't get all fanatical on me, right? Just keep to the course, good life, security, safety, right? If you want to like go to church and be religious, that's cool too. Some in your own family might say that. And you're over here like this thing is growing in you where you're like, man, I don't think anything else really matters unless I'm right with Christ. And can I just encourage you and say, that's correct. Run after it. Run after him. He's worth it. My own father, right, he and I have talked about this. When I was uh, in college, he, he told me this after the fact, later on after I'd, the Lord called me to be a pastor. He said, you know, Cale, uh, before that call happened, I would pray for you guys, I'd pray for your brothers and your sister. And, and uh, I said, Lord, I just want him to serve you, but just don't let him be a pastor. <laughs> Because my dad, and he has since repented of that, right? And, but he said, you know, my experience with that, I just watched these pastors and, and God would just take them from place to place to place to place to place. And there was no security and no stability in it. And, and he was thinking more along those lines. And the Lord is, he, again, he's repented of that. He knows that's not what it's about. And he's seen as I have seen. When you say yes to Jesus and you come to him in desperation and say, Lord, here I am. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like. But ultimately, it's better from an eternal perspective. It's better. The, the leper comes to him in desperation. I don't care what other people are saying. I need to get to Christ. Then you see the humility, not chest puffed out, not uh, head, you know, chin held high, but he comes and what? He says he got down on his face and he begs. He's not above begging. He's like, I don't care about, right, who's, I don't care about begging or looking awkward or looking silly. I just need to be healed, and I think he can do that. Comes to him in humility. Lord, empty-handed I come to you. I recognize I don't deserve this, but I'm coming to you because I believe, God, I've got nothing to give, but I believe you have everything to give. I've got nothing to bring, Jesus, but I believe you have everything to give. Desperation, humility, and then the faith. You notice there's really not any questioning in the leper. He doesn't come to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, I was wondering if maybe, possibly, you could do anything about this. And don't get me wrong. Jesus says, faith like a mustard seed, right? If you're like, oh, I'm struggling with doubt, you bring that doubt to the Lord. Lord, help increase my faith. But you do see Jesus repeatedly commend people when they come to him in faith, saying, Lord, I believe. I believe you have the authority. I believe you have the power. Just one word, just one touch. You can make me whole. You can make me clean. You can turn my life around. There really is victory in the name of Jesus. I'm not wondering. I'm not saying maybe like Jesus, I know you can. And the leper comes to him and says, Jesus, I just need you to reach out and touch me. And let, hear me say, I'm not saying that every time Jesus, you know, hey, he's going to feel, he's going to heal every physical ailment you have. Just believe. Because sometimes Jesus says, healed. And other times the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. This thorn isn't going away right now. That's what the apostle Paul prayed. Some thorn in his side. We don't know if it was a physical ailment or what it was, but he's begging God, take it away. And the Lord says, my, my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes that's his answer. But he does commend coming in faith, saying, Jesus, I know you have the authority and the power because you are who you say you are. And in the Greek, 
Be clean is one word. One word. He just says, I will. And then he says one word, be clean. And the man made, is made whole. Now, let's talk about Jesus, right? Desperation, humility, and the faith of the leper to come to Jesus. And then Jesus, the compassion and the power and the authority and, of course, the identity of who he is. Verse 13, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Let's just talk about the compassion for a second. Jesus could have just said one word and not touched the man. Could have stayed a safe distance away and just said, hey, stop where you are, <laughs> All right? But be clean, you're good, move on. But I just say the compassion. So uh, in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, in his telling of this, he actually tells us, right, Jesus, uh, some translators kind of debate what exactly the phrase means, but some translate it moved to pity or moved to compassion. And you see that actually, whether it's here or not, you see it multiple times over the gospel that people come to Jesus and he is moved to compassion or pity because of what they're dealing with. And that's so important for people come to Jesus with all their problems and all their junk and all the stuff that they've got going on. And Jesus doesn't look at them and go, you know, suck it up, Susie, right? You made this mess or you did this to yourself or you just should have done. I have, I have a hard life too. So deal with it. Stop whining. It's not Jesus' response. He looks at people in their mess, in their hurt, in their sickness, in their grieving, and the God of the universe in flesh is moved to compassion. And can I just say, we live in a culture that um, I, I see a lot of people who they want to help and they run to help a situation and then somebody takes advantage of their kindness. Maybe you've had that happen to you. I have, right? You, you try to help something and, and then it, you find out the person was just taking advantage of the kindness. So here's the temptation. I got burnt. I got hurt. So I'm just going to turn the compassion off. Just turn the heart off. I'll never get hurt again, right? I put myself out there and I tried to be compassionate and then I got taken advantage of. So now I'm going to swing over here. And can I just say, look, we, we absolutely should educate ourselves about how do we help without hurting. I'm so grateful our church uh, takes that seriously. Our teams, right, we think about how do we do this holistically? We don't want to just run into a situation not knowing what actually helped. We want to help without hurting. But if you have to choose between trying to help and not necessarily knowing the ways to go about it and, hey, I'm just going to turn my heart off and be cold, choose continuing to be compassionate. Guard against this, Lord, I'm just going to be cold so I don't get hurt anymore. No, no, no. Continue, Lord, soften my heart so I can be moved to compassion. Guard me from becoming cold-hearted and stony-hearted because maybe I got burnt in the past. Because that's Christ-like, moved to compassion. Compassion, he goes and he touches the man. Again, think about maybe with other lepers, but how long has it been since somebody just reached out and touched this man? How long since he had a hug? How long since he had a handshake? How long since someone just put their hand on his shoulder? And Jesus looks at him, and in their culture, for, for you to touch that person, their uncleanness transferred onto you. Now you're unclean. And Jesus just reaches out and touches the man. And such is the power and authority of Jesus that the man becomes clean. 
instead of, right, Jesus taking on. And in a sense, Jesus does, right? He takes on our uncleanness at the cross. But in this moment, it's not Jesus becomes ceremonially unclean. This man becomes clean and this man is made whole. But it's beautiful because Jesus doesn't just say something to him. He reaches out and he touches him and says, be made clean, be whole. Compassion, authority, power. Most people would recoil. Jesus reaches out and the man is made well. Look at verse 14. He charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is really important. When God changes your life, we always say it. That's, that's a personal thing. It's not a private thing. Do you know what God tells us? Go tell people in your life about what God has done for you. You see it over and over and over in the gospels. Jesus saves someone, makes them whole and says, now go show others. Go tell people about what God has done for you. God saves us and then he sends us. And so he says, go show for the cleansing. Go tell them, show the priest as a proof to them and also so that you can be reinstated into society and be in worship again. The man's not allowed to go to the temple. He's not allowed to worship. He says, go show them. And then verse 15, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered near to him and uh, to be healed of their infirmities. But he he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. There's a lot more we could talk about inside of verses 15 and 16, but I want to close out focusing on this. The man's sickness, if I can say it this way, was, was more than skin deep. So the, the particular sickness he brought to Jesus was leprosy. But this is a theme we see over and over and over. Remember what Luke is trying to do here. He tells us about Jesus and Peter. He tells us about the man with leprosy. He tells us uh, about the paralyzed man coming to Jesus. And he's just trying to get us to understand this Jesus, there's no one like him. This Jesus has the power to heal. This Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. This Jesus is compassionate unlike any other. This Jesus really is the son of God in the flesh. And so there's, yes, like this really happened. A man who had a skin disorder really did come to Jesus and was healed, but it's symbolic. And these stories are also symbolic. While they're true and historically accurate, they're also symbolic of the greater healing that Jesus is working in people's lives. That the man's ultimate sickness, the man's ultimate sickness in his life isn't his leprosy, but it's, it's not skin deep, it's heart deep. And the same is true for you and me. So, so think about it this way, right? This man, because of his leprosy, is not only separated from the community, but he's literally separated from the presence of God. He's not allowed to go worship at the temple because of his uncleanness. And at that point in time, God's presence was located where? In the temple in the Holy of Holies. And so this man literally is separated from the presence of God because of his uncleanness. He comes to Jesus and with one touch and with one word, Jesus makes him whole and he's now allowed to be back into the presence of God. That's the gospel, right? Our sickness isn't, hey, I've got the skin disorder or I've got this disorder, I've got this sickness. It is, man, there's an ultimate sickness called sin, my rebellion against God, and it is separating me from his presence. But praise Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, he said what? It's finished. Your sin has been paid for. I've paid the debt. The wrath of God is satisfied. You can be forgiven. And when he says it's finished, the curtain in the temple that separated God's presence from everyone else was what? Torn from top to bottom, representing God dwells with us. 
that the Spirit of God, it's not located in the temple, but that we are the temple, that you really can have access to the Father. You can really have the presence of God in your life. If you're wondering, like, can I wake up each day and know that He is mine and I am His? The answer is yes. How? By grace, through faith, in this Jesus. And you come to Him and say, Jesus, so if I can encourage, you come to Him like the leper does. You run to Him. Jesus, I know I've got a problem. And I know it's more than skin deep. And I'm coming to you in desperation. And I'm coming to you in humility. Nothing do I bring and everything you have to give. And I'm coming to you in faith. I believe, Jesus, that what you did at the cross, it's enough. My sin has separated me from God's presence. But you went to the cross on my behalf. And you forgave me there. And when I trust you, my sin is nailed to the cross the full payment of my sin against God done and taken care of, I can really be made whole. I really can be made well and I can walk with the Lord. Some of us, I was thinking about this this morning. I wonder, this man the rest of his life, I would imagine told this story. Probably told everybody, right? Man, I was once full of leprosy (laughs) and then I got to Jesus and he washed me clean. And the reality is some of us say that that's happened in our lives. We're like, yes, I'm a Christian. But I wonder, do we live with that kind of gratitude? We've had a much deeper healing than the leper. The healing of our soul, the cleansing of our sin. But do we share that with others? Do we live in gratitude to the Father? Are we excited about that? Do we wake up each day remembering, man, I was once blind, but now I see was lost, but now I'm found. I was sick, but I've been made well. And my eternity is with Christ. And then others of us, um, others of us are here this morning. And to be honest, like you just know, you've never experienced that. And you came in those doors today knowing I am not right with God. I am separated from him because of my sin. And I just want to encourage you today. I've got really good news for you you don't have to leave those doors the same way. Do you notice what the leper said? Came to Jesus, fell down on his face and said, if you're willing, if you will, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus say? I will. I'm willing. Be clean. Jesus is still willing today. If you're wondering, right, can Jesus really save me from the mess that I'm in? Yes, he can. Is Jesus really willing to wash me clean? Yes, he is. Can I really walk out of those doors today with a right relationship before God? Yes, you can. And it is by coming to Jesus in desperation. Don't worry about what other people think and don't worry about what your family's gonna think, what your friends are gonna think. I'm gonna be labeled as some weirdo, right? Yeah, (laughs) you will. It's okay. You can be clean. You come to him in faith and humility saying, Jesus, I believe. I've got nothing to give, nothing to bring but you have everything to offer. And I'm coming to you asking, will you make me clean? Let's pray together. Father, for those of us uh, who are here this morning who know you and would claim you as savior, God, will you help us to recognize that Spiritually, we were all lepers. 
we were dead and you've made us alive. We were lost and we've been found. We were running from you and now, God, we have eternal life in you and with you. God, don't let us, don't let us miss that. And we've all got issues and we've all got problems and we've all got things we're working through, Lord, but when our foundation is Christ and when each day we remember and we preach the gospel to ourselves that all my sin has been washed clean by Jesus because I came to Jesus and because Jesus came to me, because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus rose again, because he's alive, I too will live. It changes the way we approach every day. Father, will you make that increasingly true of us? And God, forgive us when we forget those things and we forget who we are and whose we are. I wanna give you a moment to pray. And if that's you today, if you say, man, there's not that gratitude. Will you just express that to the Lord? Ask forgiveness and ask him to fill your heart with a new thankfulness today for what he's done. And as we, you pray, I want to speak to those who came in today. And when you came in those doors, you would say, yes, I know that I am not right with the Lord. I'll just say it again. You don't have to leave the same way. Today, that can change. Today, you can run to him in humility, in desperation, and in faith. And today, Jesus can make you clean. Today, you can be forgiven and made new. And if you're ready, I would just invite you to pray with me. They're not magic words. It's just the expression of your heart to say, I don't want to leave here the same way I came in. You pray with me. Jesus, right now I come to you empty-handed, broken, having been hurt, having had things done to me and having done things myself that I'm not proud of. But Jesus, today I claim you as my own. That you were pierced for my transgressions. You were wounded, Jesus, that I might be made whole. And Jesus, I believe that you can make me whole and you can wash me clean and that I can start anew because of you. And today I ask for the forgiveness of my sin and I commit my life to you, Jesus. And I say that you are mine because I am yours. Thank you for saving me. I don't always ask this, but as we pray, it's a real personal time for folks. Can I just ask uh, that if you prayed that, would you let me be the first person to know so that I can pray for you? Just slip your hand up. If you prayed that with me, you can just slip it up and Slip it right back down. Thank you. Yep, you can slip it up and slip it right back down. Yep, thank you. You say, I prayed that with you today. 
just to take that step. Father, we thank you for those who are taking that step today. We thank you for the work you're doing in their life. God, we pray from this moment on uh, that it would not be a single moment, Father, but every day of walking with you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.